plan for your life? Do you know where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our empowerment architect and goddess gardener, Cynthia Bryan, as she engages in energetic exchanges with success experts, bringing you research, innovations, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your life, business, and personal spaces. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star. You are. The party starts now. Well, hello, Power Partners. Welcome to our party. This is an informational playground. It's Star Style, Be the Star You Are, brought to the airwaves under the auspices of Be the Star You Are charity. I am Cynthia Bryan, and I'm very excited about today's show because coming up in segment two, we have Eugenia Kuzminia, who is a Russian-American actress, comedian, model, and she's and a mom, I should say too. So it's going to be really fun talking to her because she actually did grow up in the um, post-Soviet Union, and she was an ice skater. She's done all kinds of fun things, and now she's having a blast, you know, modeling and acting and raising her kids. So that's coming up in segment two. In segment three, we're going to talk about teens and COVID. What's very interesting is our teens being irresponsible because they're ignoring the mandates regarding COVID, or is there a neurobiological issue in their brain that's giving them this craving to socialize without precautions. You know, it may not be a valid argument to be unsafe, but we're going to investigate the science behind that theory as the pandemic seems to be exploding and rising. The miracle moment for today is brought to you by Be The Star You Are charity. It's from Paulo Coelho. Life has many ways of testing a person's will either by having nothing happen at all or by having everything happen all at once. And it sure seems like that is a truism right now. It's like, what else is going to happen this year? You know, we have the pandemic, we have civil unrest, we have a crazy political system. Then we have all these natural disasters, the fires, the hurricanes, the floods. I'm expecting the locusts any moment, although I'm staying very positive. So here at Be The Star You Are, uh, we are still doing our authors, um, our Wednesdays with authors and entertainers as part of our Operation Disaster Relief. And I'm also um, working on disaster relief for the fires. This past week, that has been something that I have been working on. We've been, we donated uh, so far over five cases of brand new books and uh, different furnishings and all kinds of things to the fire, fire survivors here in California and to organizers who were handing out uh, goods to people in need. So if you would like to support our Operation Disaster Relief, Every uh, dollar that you give actually goes to Operation Disaster Relief because all of us are volunteers. There is no paid staff. So you can be assured that your dollars are going to work for the people that need them. You can go to bethestarur.org. That's bethestarur.org. Well, 
I love the ocean. I love water just in general. Being an Aquarius uh, on the cusp of Pisces, I kind of sometimes think I'm a fish, but I'm definitely a water baby. But unfortunately, this was supposed to be a year that the world agreed on a plan to save the ocean, and it still can. But right now, things are pretty bad. There was a marine heat wave that hit Eastern Australia, you probably read about it, that wiped out a third of the Great Barrier Reef, and that was in late 2015. And before, uh, just like in December of that of 2014, there were kelp forests, uh, really thick kelp forests. But then by March of 2015, it looked like it was a just a asphalt driveway. So recurring heat waves have prevented kelp and coral from recovering. Marine temperatures on Australia's east coast are an average two centigrade degrees higher than a century ago. Now that's a lot. And that's an increase that scientists attribute to rising greenhouse gas emissions. So, you know, the ocean is deceptively fragile and two degrees doesn't sound like much to us, but not many species can handle that kind of temperature change. Nearly 95% of eastern Tasmania's kelp forests, and I was in Tasmania, and I was on the Great Barrier Reef, and I went diving there you know, many years ago, and it was absolutely spectacular. So, of course, now we know that the, the koalas and the kangaroos have been uh, killed, a big majority of them, um, with all the terrible fires there. So what's happening is a preview of what's to come for the ocean as a whole. Tasmania's kelp forests, they were or are the poster child for what climate change means for our oceans. And what is happening in Tasmania is what is going to happen everywhere else in a decade or two. So we as humans, we owe our life, our life to the ocean. Four in 10 humans rely on the ocean for food. Marine life produces 70% of our oxygen, 90% of our global goods travel via shipping lanes on the ocean. We turn to the sea for solace, that would be me. <laughs> Ocean-based tourism in the United States alone is worth over $124 billion a year. And, of course, it's important for medical advancement. There is an enzyme used in the COVID-19 testing that was originally sourced from bacteria found in the ocean's hydrothermal vents. Um, I don't know what's happened with it, but the ocean also acts as a giant planetary air conditioner. So over the past century, the ocean has absorbed 93%, you know, that's, that's almost all of it, of the heat that was trapped in the atmosphere by greenhouse gas emissions. If all of that heat hadn't been taken up by the ocean, we would all be living in death valley conditions right now. And we know, like here in California, how hot it has been, unseasonally hot, this uh, past year. So we humans have been squeezing life out of the sea. Increased CO2 levels in the atmosphere have made the ocean more acidic, and that is threatening the food chains. And warming waters are not only killing sea life, but they're changing the currents, and they're affecting the global weather patterns. And meanwhile, and this is the saddest part, we are dumping 8 million tons of waste into the ocean every year, in addition to all the agricultural and industrial runoff that poisons coastal areas. And at the rate that we're harvesting fish, 
it is suspected that by 2050, there will likely be more plastic in the ocean than fish in the ocean. A 2019 report by the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change warned that without profound economic and institutional transformations, there would be irreversible damage to oceans and to sea ice. Now, this year, 2020, this was supposed to be that all the transformations were supposed to happen. There was a series of international policy meetings that, that were meant to set global targets for managing fish populations restoring biodiversity and controlling pollution. And as it did, of course, with uh, so many other things that happened this year, the coronavirus pandemic had to put all of those talks on hold. But nevertheless, environmentalists, scientists, policymakers, and ocean advocates are working desperately to keep the momentum going, aware that this could be the last and our best chance that we have to reverse the tide. So what's the phrase, never let a good crisis go to waste? So as we kind of start to restart the economy, and let's hope we don't have to close it back down, this is a chance to reset our goals for a healthy ocean. We have a pretty narrow window of opportunity where we can actually still be effective, according to the biologists and marine scientists. They're saying that 20 years from now, it will be too late, and that really scares me. Now, a revitalized ocean would not only feed a growing population, but it could also strengthen our fight against climate change. Coastal habitats such as mangroves and salt marshes, they are extraordinary carbon sinks. They sequester as much CO2 per acre as 16 acres of pristine Amazonian rainforest. Now, that's pretty significant. So new developments in offshore wind farm technology can provide an inexhaustible supply of green energy, while mineral deposits on the seafloor, if mined sustainably, offer the raw ingredients for the batteries to store it. And we know that we, we're going to need these backup batteries. So it's time to stop thinking of the ocean as a victim of climate change and start thinking of it as a powerful part of the solution. Now, when the coronavirus pandemic forced the global economy into a state of suspended animation, carbon emissions slowed. We saw that. Shipping idled, fisheries closed, and the ocean was allowed some time, a moment, let's say, to breathe. And the pause was short-lived, of course, and the economic cost was potentially catastrophic. Um, and we're even seeing that now, uh, if you look at anything with cruise ships, because cruise ships even though some like the in Norway tried to reopen, then they got COVID and they had to stop. But it was really unimaginable sight of blue skies over industrial off, uh, areas. And it offered a reminder that change is actually within our grasp. And I know that just here where I am, I started a few, well, before the coronavirus, about last summer, I started counting the flights that were going over. And it was so incredible. I couldn't believe how many planes were going over. They must have changed flight routes because when I first moved here, there were none. And now there were many. And then during coronavirus, there's almost none again. So the coronavirus uh, crisis has shown us that when there's a threat to the global population, there's a willingness to act collectively to limit the threat. So the tough lessons that we're learning with COVID-19, they could translate into a stronger understanding of the interconnectedness of our personal and planetary health. 
and a demand for action. Because the stakes for ocean health have never been higher, the dying kelp, the disappearing coral reef, these are really sounds of alarm. Uh, We need to focus on the intersection of climate change, biodiversity, and humans' well-being because biodiversity loss from climate change looks like a trickle now, but it could become a flood pretty soon. And coastal nations would be the first to be hit. Of course, that's part of California, (laughs) right? And if there's a sudden collapse of these ecosystems in a single decade, we could lose so much for the human race and we could lose income. And most of all, we could also lose our fur, our food security. So there are so many ways to preserve our ecosystems and humans depend upon it. So just be involved, be aware. Let's save the oceans because by saving the oceans, we are going to save ourselves, our oceans, planet, Without it, humans can't survive. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. When we come back, we'll have Eugenia with us, supermodel from Russia, actor and comedian here in the United States now, of course. I can't wait to talk to her. Stay with us. We're coming to you live on the Voice America Network. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. Back in a bit. The star you are, the star you are, be the star you are. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you seeking a dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world. Lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR. 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 And visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan. www.cynthiabryan.com. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. 
Now, back to the power party. Well, I promised you we would have a famous supermodel, actor, comedian on, and I am so excited. Oh, you're listening to Cynthia Bryan, by the way. This is Star Style, Be the Star You Are. And we're coming to you live on the Voice America Network. I have Eugenia Kuzmina with me. She's a Russian-American actress, comedian, model. Her father was a renowned nuclear physicist and was one of the first responders to the Chernobyl disaster. Oh, I just watched that that documentary, too. It's scary. And she's a mom. And we're going to just talk to her about all the things that she is doing. Welcome, Eugenia, to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Thank you so much, Cynthia. I'm so excited to be on the show. Hello, Voices of America. And um, I love your voice. It's so bright and cheery and uh, really excited to chat. Well, thank you. Uh, the one thing I am is passionate. <laughs> yeah, I guess that, that we have to have energy, enthusiasm, you know, and passion. I actually call it the PEEP principle because I raise chickens. So we have to be positive, energetic, enthusiastic, and passionate. That's PEEP. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. You know, you, you, that's what gave me like a boost of energy. Just for the oh, first well, course. I can tell. I have been all through your website and watched all your things. And uh, you are, we're similar in that way. But I am so, I really want to hear about you and, and the Russian-American background. First of all, your father being a renowned nuclear physicist. Let's talk about that. Your mom was a scientist as well as a housewife. And of course, you grew up on the food lines post-Soviet time, and then you become the supermodel. Give us your backstory so that our listeners can get kind of a little peep into the window of how you got to America in such an incredible fashion. I mean, via France and all of other places in the world. Yes, thank you so much. You know, it's interesting looking back, it does sound like such a big story, but, you know, I just kind of kept going one day at a time. Um, my dad basically was a scientist, um, and I was always really inspired by him. He was one of the first responders, and you mentioned that you watched the show on HBO, and oh. I, I felt that pretty similar, you know, to what my dad was going through because the new, you know, the areas of disasters which were not covered by the government and we were not supposed to talk about it. So I think it really weighted, you know, on a lot of scientists that knowledge. Oh, and, I you know, think so. Their... It had to, I mean, just you just mentioning it now, I mean, I get chills on me that it was just horrific. And, you know, I guess it's like any government. We don't really know what the government's covering up, right? But, you know, that was really terrible. So anyway, continue with, so he responded to that. And your mom was also a scientist. She was a scientist, but because we're growing on food lines, a lot of time was spent in, you know, waiting in those food lines, maybe two hours or more. And uh, it's interesting because in America, I was so prepared. You know, I was the first one from my family when the food lines and pandemic started. I was going out, you know, I knew all the ways and all the tricks. How to and you had, you had plenty um, of toilet paper, I bet. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and yeah, you know, and I think the food insecurity is something 
that we all have to think about even now because we don't know what's going to happen in the future. And this is why I'm a huge proponent on growing your own, at least having enough, you know, grow a few things that you can eat. This is why I raise chickens. I have eggs at least, you know. <laughs> so, but I bet That's you, tell, so us, tell us what was your secret? What did you do since you knew what it was like to be on a food line in, um, in the Soviet Union or post-Soviet? Well, I think, you know, when something uh, like unprecedented happens, and I grew up, you know, there's so many like regime changes and economical changes, people start to panic. So I could see that, you know, if you haven't experienced that before, uh, the most important thing was to come down. And even my husband would like buy and freeze food. I'm like, no, 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 there is still food. Like, there is food and you're right. It's really important to grow your vegetables. And I'm excited for, you know, all of my friends and my family to kind of start doing that. But the most important thing is not to panic and like overbuy everything and then throw it out, you know? Right. And that, that's because that's think... food waste and you're taken away from somebody else who needs it. Yeah, exactly. And just be kind, you know, like share things. So I saw like it, it was interesting to watch in the beginning. I mean, now I don't know um, where you are based, but in L.A. it's come down a little bit. So you don't have to wait like two hours and people are not fighting over anything. Um, I think mostly I took that calmness, you know, with me. And then you can find things that you need much easier because you are not, you know, hectic. And, um, you know, just meditation, more of like being present, things mm -hmm. like that. Rather than, I love what you know, you're saying like there, um, Eugenia. I love the idea of kindness because... To me, we're all in this together, and that, to me, is what is so critical. You might have heard at the top of the hour, we're doing Operation Disaster Relief right now, and so this week I've been working on getting supplies to the fire survivors here in Northern California. So many people lost their homes. In fact, our farm, it, uh, the houses didn't burn, but everything burnt, and we've lost our entire harvest for the whole year uh, because of the smoke damage. But I think being kind and being empathetic is critical and it helps you think better if you meditate and slow down, just as you said. So instead of multitasking, maybe single task. Yeah, I think kindness is one of the, you know, qualities I try to teach my kids and kind of spread around no matter what you what you're doing or who you are, you know, whatever, wherever you are, you know, okay. just kind of be compassionate and you know, curious about other people's lives. And my kids, right. they actually got a few birds during pandemic, so they're kind of bonding with animals. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, what kind of birds did you get? They got parakeets, and they're oh, singing good. and flying they're, all over. <laughs> they're so sweet. I know. I have birds, too. I love birds. I mean, I I don't know. I, I have, I rescue animals, and so I have one little bird that I rescued that whenever it sees me, it goes crazy, you know, and, and it wants to sit on my head most of the time. But it's, it's so much mm -hmm. fun, isn't it, having the animals with your kids? Let's segue. Yeah, uh, there's so much to talk to you about, because I want to talk to you, uh, I want to get to your modeling, but since you mentioned kids, you are, you know, you really love being a mom. You're a mom of three. You have a blog. You have a, a website, modelmom.tv. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you incorporate in your busy life with, you know, with you, you have, you're doing comedy, you're doing stand up, you're acting in all kinds of movies and you're a supermodel, but you're a mom and a wife. Um, in fact, your husband is 
Bill Block, he's the what CEO of Miramax. So you have a very mm-hmm. busy schedule, I would say. Tell us about Absolutely. being a mom doing all of this. Well, you know, the blog, I started the blog because I felt the need for community among mothers who are also working. And there's so much expectation, you know, and like the films and TV didn't help, but sometimes showing all these perfect kids and perfect family. And, you know, when I became a mom, um, it wasn't really usual quite, you know, to become a mom so young, especially when you were modeling and a lot of my Well, you were, were in like, your 20s, no. right? Weren't you? What were you, 20, yes. 20, yes, 20, 23, somewhere in there? And you had two yes. kids while you were modeling. Yeah, right. It's exactly. not It's yeah. not usual. So, so it was a challenge. You know, I had contracts. I had to get back right to work. And I was flying with my, like, one-month-old back and forth to L.A. between Los Angeles and New York, like, overnight, and then going to jobs. Thank God my mom oh. was helping, you know. But I felt... I couldn't relate to a lot of my friends who were partying at the time, you know, and had a completely different lifestyle. And it was kind of hard to find, you know, the community because my kids were not at school yet. Um, And that's how I started. You know, I reached out and I said, well, how do you do it? Because I read all the books, all the right books, and it doesn't help, you know. No, you have to design it. You have to design your own life, don't you, for what works for your family. And know that there is no perfection. We can strive for excellence, but we're going to make lots of, I'm Italian, so we say we make lots of malfatis. That means we make lots of mistakes, and it's okay. (laughs) For sure. Absolutely. It's really important to communicate and to ask for help. And that's something that maybe my family, like, were not, you know, didn't learn that because we were, like, living as a survival. You know, my mom didn't ask anybody for help. She was Uh doing everything. So I kind of jumped into that. But what I learned is, like, it's so important to kind of be vulnerable and ask for help and, you know, acknowledge your mistakes and move forward and laugh about it. Eugenia, how did you learn to ask for help growing up in, uh, you know, in such difficult times, really, um, in Russia? And then you come to America and I'm assuming you brought your family over, your mom and your, did your mom and dad both come Mm -hmm. over with you or soon after? I lost my dad when I was 15. So basically I was like the provider of the family and I kept going, you know, not asking for help, asking for help came to me much later uh, when I had kids and I, you know, it was time to get some therapy and <laughs> time yeah, to really, yeah. you know, be authentic. Like it, it took me a while to find, you know, my authenticity because in modeling, it's also about like your image and, you know, everybody projects onto you and you have like certain expectations, you know, to look a certain way, but becoming mm-hmm. a mom, it all went out the window, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, so um, I think I learned through, you know, talking to my therapist, which is really important, I think, for anybody and talking to my mom, you know, and kind of asking because I was falling apart. And in the most beautiful way, it taught me to be authentic, you know, with my kids. And that's something that kids learn by example as well. Well, you know, I always say, Eugenia, we have to be our unapologetically authentic self because 
We can only be ourselves. Everybody else is taken. And we can't mm-hmm. be anybody else. So we have to just be who we are and accept that. For listeners, if you're just joining us, we're speaking with supermodel, Russian-American actress, comedian, mom, and as you can tell, a real a real woman, Eugenia Kuzmina. And um, I want to ask, uh, get to you, you were training to be a professional ice skater, right? And you were pulled out of a group of kids to appear in a Russian version of uh, Saturday Night Live or something, uh, Airline. Yes. So, and then yes. you were cast in a Chuck Norris film, but you couldn't leave the country because of visas. What was what happened here? Tell us how it all how this led to you know what you're doing now. Uh, well, I was always an adventurous kid. You know, I used to cut uh, to cut uh, my school's uniforms into bikinis, which wasn't very welcome by my teachers. <laughs> I read that. I read that. I love it. I love it. I love it because uh, you know what? I garden in my bikini all the time, and <laughs> and I always I were from a long line of bikini gardeners because it gets too hot out there. So I love the fact that you cut your uniform into a bikini. Of course, you looked great in it. I can tell. <laughs> Continue. Yeah, you are adventurous. Idea. So you know, in Russia, if you start anything except for school, it has to be professional. So you have to pass the test. They have to accept you, and then you train for Olympics. So I really love. You know, ice skating was one of like few sports in Russia. Obviously, it's snowing. You know, so it's something that is uh, highly regarded. And they were really good at the Olympics. And I started doing that. I started to train with Olympic champion. What I loved the most were the costumes, the lights, and the performance. Of course, um, nice and glittery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it definitely taught me how to have your will, you know, no matter what, to go on that ice and perform no matter what the weather. Uh, but at some point, I had to make a choice, you know, if I wanted to make it into a career. And it was pretty early. It was like seven or eight years old, where you have to decide if you want to be homeschooled and just kind of have a tunnel vision to go into sports. And I just thought I wasn't ready. Like, I, I loved it, but I just, in my heart, I felt there was something else that I was born to do. Um, and then when I was in school, basically, uh, the producers from the show, it's called Yaralash. I don't think it's um, showing anymore, but I was back in Russia promoting the Gentleman movie uh, right before pandemic, and we were talking about it. Uh, yeah. It's a really funny show because it's kind of like SNL, but it involves kids. So <laughs> have was, fun! Um, have fun! Yeah, yeah. So it was just uh, you know like an episode that I did, and I didn't pursue it as a career because there was no really acting career for anybody to pursue unless your parents were in that, you know. And it was more like propaganda, and there were only four channels, so there was no way to kind of you know pursue any kind of creative career. And then in the end of '90s, obviously everything started changing, and that's when all the brands started coming from you know um, Europe. And I signed with an agency, like that was something completely new. I had no idea about it. I just wanted to have a creative outlet. And then on one audition, Chuck Norris came and he was looking for, I think, his daughter. So I passed the audition and was so excited. You know, it's something I didn't anticipate at all. Um, And of course, I couldn't go to America in time because I couldn't get the visa and that was it. (laughs) But very exciting that um, you got cast, you know. 
Absolutely. And then, yeah, you, was then you ended up, um, what, you moved to Paris at 15 because you got signed by a, a scout, right, With, uh, yes. for a, a Europe modeling agency. Yes. Um, you know, and my parents were really concerned because they thought somebody will take me away to dance on the tables, you know. Um, exactly. I would be no, afraid, too. <laughs> Yeah, they said no a lot of times, but thank God my agent, uh, Natalie Cross-Cotton, who was like the head of Elite Models before she started her agency, and she was really a mother figure. So she convinced my mom that to fly us, you know, for free first and kind of check it out. I came with my mom for a few months, and when she found out that it's all legitimate and I'm not dancing on the table (laughs) uh, here, then, you know, she left me in the modeling apartment with maybe like six other teenagers and that's how it all started wow and i mean and you modeled for huge huge labels cartier dior armani herme l'oreal vogue i mean you've done all of that right and then now then you moved in you moved to the u.s and you got signed by img i think it was and you started um was that right Oh, Ford, Ford, oh, that's right. Ford, yeah, and then IMG. It was first mm-hmm. Ford, then IMG. Okay, and then you started um, acting. Tell us about yeah. that, because that's really hard. I, you know, I mean, at least when I was coming up in the business, they would say that models can't act, right? They always thought it was the dumb <laughs> model idea. And again, we'll get to your comedy, because that I am hungry, it's, it's true, <laughs> right? Models are always hungry. So go ahead. That's so funny. Well, you know, it's so funny because I figured out in Hollywood you can find as many closed doors as you want. Like, you're too Russian, you're too pretty, and you're a model who can't act. And, like, there's always a no. <laughs> Don't try anything. Um, but it's it's interesting because I kind of started this career by lending first, um, you know, a role from my modeling agent. And also I was already, like, in the middle of, um, you know, Los Angeles. I met my husband and kind of he was a producer so I was in this world already some of my friends were directors and they asked me to do a film um I was lucky in that sense you know I didn't really understood what it's like to struggle a lot uh, I mean of course your work goes up and down as you know and actually can predict anything um and have to be really present but I was really lucky to get a few projects you know just from friends mm-hmm. um and then of course a lot of time people would put you in a box and say like, well, you have to play Russian gold digger because right. Russians are that. And <laughs> well, yeah, or a prostitute or the other woman or right. I mean, it's yes. like you get, or the supermodel, you have to play the yes. supermodel. <laughs> yes. I, I checked all those points, you know, and kind of um, was a little bit bored and I, I want to produce, obviously, you know, I think it's so important for any actress um, coming up in the business now to know that you can produce your own content and you have to fight for those stories, but they need to be heard. And now it's an amazing time, you know, in our culture where those changes are happening. So I'm really excited to see that. But when I started, nobody kind of gave me that direction. So I was doing a film with Woody Allen and John Tutor in New York, Fading Gigolo, and I found out that Woody does stand up. And I thought, wow, that's an amazing way to tell your authentic stories, not being boxed and kind of share and connect and grow as a person, mostly, not just an artist. And this is what you're doing now. You're doing stand-up at different clubs. Tell us how that's going. Are you having fun? Are you enjoying it? Yes. 
Well, yeah. it's so funny. The clubs are called Zoom right now. You know? <laughs> yeah, that, that's um, right. Well, right now it has to be Zoom. That's very true. But I mean, before Zoom, before the pandemic, you were at cl- some clubs. Was that fun? Did you enjoy that, or were you nervous, or how did how did you kind of seg into that pivot, as they say, and then it. we'll pivot to Zoom? Yeah, I've done shows at the Comedy Store. I've done shows at Laugh Factory. We were on tour with our group. It's called the Nobody's Funny, but there's a reason why it's called like that. And we were performing for like thousands of people and for five people and from Palo Alto to, you know, we're going to go to New York and Chicago. So it was very, very exciting, Um, especially for women, you know, in stand-up. It's not really a typical world. And I was kind of told like, well, you can't look like a model. You have to look like you haven't showered for five days. Because otherwise, you'll never make it. And as a rebellious child, of course, I would go up in gowns and makeup and just talk about my life as it was, not as, like, trying to pretend to be somebody. And I just found such fascination, you know. I think laughter is the most, like, real and authentic reaction that people can't control. So if they really connect to something, they would laugh. And, of course, it's a big reward, you know, because you feel like you're connected to strangers and... Um, sharing stories, and that was something that I always wanted to do. Well, you know, I think it was it's so beautiful. Uh, I want to say that on her website, which is eugenia-kozmina.com, that's E-U-G-E-N-I-A hyphen K-U-Z-M-I-N-A.com. And that hyphen is just a dash. It's not an underscore, people. Anyway, you have several of your routines and you look beautiful. And I think what people were relating to is you you're a beautiful person inside and out, but you're also are coming from a supermodel background. And people are drawn to that because you make it real and you make fun of it at the same time. <laughs> I mean it it's For it's sure. it's funny. It's it's real. So you did the right thing. I mean, show, not showering for five days. That would be ridiculous. <laughs> that's <laughs> well, not who no, you are, like right? It's not who you are. Like a comedian on stage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got to be your own person. You got to be who you, you know, who you are. Well, what's happening? What's next for you? We're starting to run out of time. And I feel like I could talk to you mm-hmm. for the whole hour. But um, what's next? What would you, what, what do you like to support? What, what are your upcoming projects? What are charities that you're involved with? Be in, I wish you were involved with Be the Star You Are. You are a star. Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I have no, to send I you information. Yeah, so tell us what you're, what you're up to, what's happening with you. Well, you know, I'm working actually um, charity-wise with uh, From the Heart Tribe. They're a great organization. They're pretty small, based in L.A., and uh, they're all hand-based. So you go and you pick up trash from the streets, or you help the homeless, and they educate you, like, why these people are homeless. And, you know, sometimes you can bring the kids, and I think it's so important to be educated about you know, where you put the money and not just, like, say or touch anything. So for me, hands-on is very important. So Um, is that like when we were talking off, when we were talking off air about you and the kids picking up trash and stuff on the beach, were you doing that through the charity? Yeah, Or do you just do that on your own? Yeah, that's so great. Well, we did it on our own. Basically, this um, Earth Day, um, I I had scheduled with Fran Drescher, and we were going to do it to support her organization, Cancer Schmancer. You know, it was supposed to be like an right. amazing educational event. 
um, to spread the word like non-plastic, non-toxic environment for home. And then it didn't happen. So on Earth Day, we just decided with my kids to walk around the neighborhood and collect the plastic, you know, kind of put our hands where our minds were. Right. Um, right. And that was really fun. That was really fun. Um, yeah, so charity-wise, I also work with Adrian Paul. Um, at times, you know, he's got a great organization and helps, like, smaller charities um, as well, which who needs funding. Uh, you know, there are different, different causes. There's not, there are like, one so many, cause, and it's but- just, I just think it's really important that people give back because by helping others, you're helping yourself because that feel good, you know, I mean, whatever you do, it makes you feel good when you're seeing other people be assisted. So I'm so glad that you're supporting, that you're supporting charities. That's a wonderful thing. So that's the the reason to do anything like in any job or profession is just for others. Sure. Right. That's right. Exactly. Well, this has been so much fun talking to you. Do we have any movie? Well, obviously, Screen Actors Guild is just now starting to get back up, but there actually haven't been any movies going on. But uh, can people catch any of your things on a Zoom? Are you doing any Zoom presentations or should they just visit your website and um, check you out there? Yeah, I mean, I do a lot of show, like comedy shows online. I'm waiting for the TV show The Spice City to come out, which shot right before pandemic. It was so exciting. <laughs> um, you know, keep waiting for it to come out. Uh, the Gentleman movie by Guy Ritchie is out, and we're, you know, scheduling the next one to shoot another one. Really exciting. So, oh, that's so fun. In line. Yeah, yeah, a lot of projects, but who knows when they're going to start exactly. No, they have to go through the, the you know, all those steps of um, of the PPE and all that. I mean, we have to protect ourselves. This is a very serious, a very serious pandemic. I mean, it's a very serious illness because we don't know who has it. So we have to be exactly. safe, whatever we're doing. But but we still have to be real. We still have to live our lives. We still have to be positive and we have to be kind. So I so appreciate you being on the show. So um, Eugenia hyphen Kuzmina, E-U-G-E-N-I-A, hyphen Kuzmina, K-U-Z-M-I-N-A dot com. And you can also check out modelmom.tv. So those are a couple of sites. Um, do I'm going to just let you wind it up. You go ahead. And how would you, what would you like the listeners to take away from this interview? Um, I think... Compassion and curiosity are two things. If you really develop them and continue focus on them, they can lead the way to accomplishing anything you want in life. And giving back, it is really important. And thank you so much for reminding me of that as well. Well, you're obviously uh, giving back. It's it's something I know people always say to me, my gosh, you've been doing 22 years of Be The Star You Are and you're a volunteer and nobody gets paid. And, you know, why do you do it? And it's like, because we're making a difference. We're helping people. We're saving people's lives and giving them hope. And, you know, what's better okay. than humor, hope and healing, right? Humor, hope, hope and healing. It's everything. Well, you've been a delight to to speak with. So I want to encourage everyone again, go to her website, eugeniacuzmina.com with a hyphen between Eugenia and Kuzmina. So you keep doing what you're doing. Keep enjoying your kids and, and being the model mom and a best of success 
during this pandemic and just in life in general. So thank you so much for being on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. You have graced us with your stardom. Thank you so much and wishing all the stars to everybody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Reach for the stars and stay healthy. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style, Be the Star You Are. You can visit bethestaryouare.org during the break. And I will be right back with a business bite. So don't go away. Be the star you are. The star you Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. Do you know that humor is serious business? Take your career seriously, but always take yourself lightly. In a survey of over 750 CEOs, 98% said they would rather hire somebody with a good sense of humor than somebody without one. If you are willing to laugh at yourself and make mistakes, you are better prepared to handle stress in the workplace and at home. Humor builds positive working relationships and improves morale. Norman Cousins, in his book, Anatomy of an Illness, found that laughter enhances respiration, circulation, oxygenates the blood, and suppresses the stress-related hormones in the brain. Laughing with others builds confidence and camaraderie. More corporations are realizing the positive effects of humor and are building it into their culture. Business doesn't have to be boring. Humor makes for a better, serious business. Remember, you're the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business bite from Star Style. For more information, visit CynthiaBryan.com. That's Cynthia Bryan and Bryan with an I.com. Be the star you are. The star you the annual cost of illiteracy to American taxpayers is over $225 billion. Help increase literacy, reduce violence, and improve positive media messages by making a tax-deductible contribution to Be The Star You Are charity. A top-rated nonprofit, Be The Star You Are promotes positive role models, produces positive radio broadcasts, and donates positive books to empower women, families, and youth. Be a power partner and join our galaxy of stars. Visit our website at bethestaryouare.org to make a tax-deductible donation using PayPal or send checks to P.O. Box 376, 376, Moraga, California, 94556. Bethestaryouare.org. Dare to care. us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show. 
Wasn't that a fun interview? Doesn't it, isn't it marvelous when you meet somebody who's just doing great in their life and they're just so real and, and just down to earth and doing all the things that all of us are doing. So make sure to visit her website, eugeniacusmina.com. And she is really beautiful, but she's authentic. And that's what's so important to me, uh, you know, to me is to be authentic. Well, you know, we're seeing in the news every day now that um, coronavirus is increasing, unfortunately. Um, as of this week, over 200,000 people have already died, over a million uh, in the world. And countries, other countries now are, are going back to lockdowns and more restrictions. Germany, in, like Germany, was considered doing great, uh, and so was England and France, and now they're locking down. So was Norway. But the what is driving it are young people. So the question that we're asking is, we're supposed to be social distancing and wearing masks to keep it from spreading, right? But are young people ignoring the need to have and be around friends? So they're getting antsy is what it is. They really want to see people. And COVID-19 cases among the 18 to 29-year-old age group have been rising, according to the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention. In fact, they accounted for just about 28% of the cases in the U.S., and that was back in July, and now we're, you know, almost to October. But so the group share in cases, they've been climbing steadily every month since April. But as a result, young adults are getting tagged as being irresponsible. But some scientists are arguing that scolding isn't going to help. They say the impulse among adolescents and emerging adults to break away from family and interact more with their peers is actually just part of normal development. Socializing and seeking new experiences is how they forge their identities. It's like a, a baby bird. I just had a couple of my doves have a baby. And then you watch the baby fly the coop, right? Well, it's the same thing kind of with teenagers. They start doing things because they are coming in to be in adulthood. So exploring is a neurobiological mandate. And this is, um, doctors are just agreeing on this from Harvard Medical School, they're saying that questionable behavior that correspondingly occurs is a necessary part of growing up. In most instances, these young people are not setting out to do risky things. It's just that their brain is programmed to do them. Now, research is showing that adolescents loosely defined as those in the developmental period ranging from 14 to 26 years old, it depends on the function you know, being measured, are biologically driven to seek new experiences. Um, and, you know, I want to just piggyback on that. I remember when I was 21, the first thing I wanted to do and what I did on my 21st birthday was I jumped out of an airplane. I went skydiving. And then because my parents never wanted me to do it and you had to be 21 if you didn't have parental. Uh, and it was just like, I just remember being young and wanting to do all these crazy things. I wanted to fly in a glider. I wanted to go in loop-de-loops, you know, on, on uh, biplanes. So, um, 
if it's biologically driven to do a new experience, when children are born, their brains aren't fully formed. And then the brain creates a large amount of synapses or, you know, these neural links between cells. So during adolescence, these synapses get cut back or they're pruned, however you want to, the gardener and me would call them pruned. The brain eliminates the connections that aren't important. And one way the brain determines what is important and what's not is through real world experiences and how frequently synapses are used, which is why independence is crucial for development. And at the same time, dopamine levels reach a lifetime peak in adolescence. And dopamine is what supports the motivation and the reward-driven learning, which drives them to value immediate gratification over future gains. And that can lead to very risky decisions, kind of like jumping out of airplanes. Uh, Motivation is influenced by rewards like novelty and thrills and the presence of peers. And as a result, Something that hits multiple reward uh, buttons can be particularly enticing. And that is probably um, defined as the opportunity to attend a great party that's going to be viewed by friends on social media. So studies are showing that adolescence is a period in young people's lives when their social environment and their interactions with peers are important for brain development, for mental health, and developing a sense of self. Now, lack of peer contact may interrupt this and might have long-term detrimental effects. So the effects of social deprivation of adolescent development and mental health is something that is being studied and was actually a, a paper that was published in The Lancet this past summer. Young adults crave social interaction like a starving person craves food. Social rewards are a strong motivation. So the COVID-19 pandemic is exacerbating these biological cravings, and this is what's making it hard. So adolescents normally fulfill their need for peer contacts at school. Now schools are closed. So there are behavioral guidance and a place for discussion is becoming very emotionally distressed because now they're going to have to, you know, they're not being able to see each other together. So they have to find other ways to meet their needs. So although I am not excusing this behavior, and I would really um, like to encourage all people and young people to social distance and to wear their mask, I can understand that adolescent isolation has increased so much during this covid And we have to cut them a little bit of slack and at the same time just remind them to be as safe as possible because spending more time on social media and less face-to-face time with friends, it might be harmful, especially for girls during a critical developmental time. So that is our show for today. Thank you so much for being great listeners and allowing me into your life every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific. Make sure you are tuned in live to Voice America every Wednesday, as well as listen to our teen show, Express Yourself, that I produce. It airs on Sundays at 3 p.m., and we're calling it Super Smart Sundays now as we bring you actors and authors and artists and chefs and all kinds of people 
from around the country who have had their work um, stopped because of COVID-19, and we want to give them an opportunity to shine. So you can make a donation to Be The Star You Are by going to either btsya.org or bethestarur.org. We are working on Operation Disaster Relief. Not only are we bringing you these shows, but we are also um, actually bringing resources to uh, disaster survivors here from the fires here in California. And we'll probably be working with uh, shipping things to the hurricanes as well. Again, be the star you are.org or btsya.org. My aim is always to encourage, inspire, inform, amuse, and motivate. See beyond your physical being. Know you're already a star that you dreamed of becoming. Cherish the past, dream of the future, and celebrate every moment of your life. And we would like to encourage you to read a book this week because the book is like a garden in your pocket. And if you could check out the books, the signature books from Be The Star You Are. They're all informational, motivational, inspirational, and have all true stories in them um, that are from myself as well as many of our volunteers around the world. So until we celebrate next week, remember... Love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep us happy. My name is Cynthia Bryan for Star Style. I thank you and encourage you to be your unapologetically authentic self. Go out into the world and be the star you are. Have a wonderful week. Dream, create, inspire, make a difference, and be here with us next Wednesday, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific. Thanks for joining me. Have a great week and be kind. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. You are the star. It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain and motivate you to be the star you were born to be for more information visit starstyleradio.com and to make a donation to the charity go to be the star you are.org ignite the flame that burns brightly within take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic host and empowerment architect cynthia bryan every wednesday at 4 p.m pacific time 7 p.m eastern time right here on the voice america empowerment channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style until we celebrate together next week be the star you are